Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. We're doing this, how to do wise decision making. And, uh, I, you know, I, I'm not looking for kudos here, uh, but I've really enjoyed it. It's just been, uh, it's been so meaningful back into my heart. And, you know, you always go, what preachers do you listen to? I listened to myself this week. I actually did what I told you to do. So I went back to John and, uh, and just got, and I really stayed with John 14 and 15 for a while and about the whole idea of that, he, you know, he's the vine and we're the branches and what the sustenance of that and how, um, you know, we've, we've taken so many words for granted that we forget that those words were designed to lead and guide our lives. You know, we take a word like, let me give you an example, fellowship. And we go, oh, that's when we get together and have a potluck. <laughs> or that's when I go to somebody's house and we hang out. But really, the word fellowship was only a Christian term in the early church. And it was really designed so that they would understand that the relationship that they had with the Holy Spirit was a fellowship, was, a, was an intimate acknowledgement of his deep friendship. And therefore, they were to do that with one another. That's the whole idea of community came out of the idea of that we commune with the Holy Spirit, and that it was his idea. That's actually the most traditional teaching regarding it, that uh, can you imagine being in the first century and being told, and God's going to hang out with you every day, all the time. I had a feeling days were a lot longer then. There wasn't news, three meals, hobbit meals, seven meals. Um, There wasn't that kind you know, the days must have seemed longer and that there wasn't the distractions. And so the idea of focusing on fellowship, that God's with me, you know, and as they picked up a stone to build a wall or tore something down or uh, had to watch cattle or sheep, and they were doing it. And the, the idea was, and the teachers, the early apostles, the idea was, just as Jesus walked with you, with us, now the Holy Spirit's going to walk with us. And they gained that, uh, that place and that identity and how to make even their decisions that they made. Every decision was run through the grid of, Lord, what are you saying to me? Now, some of us have practiced that, but I don't think to the degree today that it was then. And that there was this constant awareness of his presence. And so I just took this this week and just tried to do it well. And boy, it was like everything fought against it. Everything fought against it. Even my own attitudes fought against it. You know? And there is a battle. I mean, if somebody doesn't understand and look out and see what's going on in the world today and doesn't understand that there's a battle going on, I don't think, I I was thinking it was for the soul of this nation. I think it's for the soul of the world. There's a, there's a, I've never, um, 
You know, and, and one of my children asked me this and said, did you ever know a time like this? And I went, no. I've never known a time like that. I'm not trying to scare our younger people. I haven't known this before, but I know this. I do know whom I believe in. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against a dark day. That I know he's with us and that he won't leave us and won't forsake us. And that I'm part of the conquering attitude that goes, uh uh-uh. Thus far and no further. (laughs) And making a stand, you know, and that sounds really, oh, you're just like bold, charismatic language. No. For each of our lives, draw a line. Draw a line. Thus far, no further. Draw the line and stick to it. And stand in this time. I don't know if that makes any sense. has to do with wise decision making. Last week I talked about the role of the Holy Spirit. And how Jesus in those chapters in John. How he referred to the Holy Spirit as our helper. And what he meant by that. We looked at it carefully. And in that I want, I want to say to you that the Holy Spirit. Uh, sent as our helper. So that's where we we're at and this is where we want to want to finish this up today there are if if the holy spirit has the role of a helper and guide then what does that look like what are the activities that the holy spirit plays out in our life most of the activities that i was taught and when the holy spirit was taught in church it was either regarding whether the gifts of the Holy Spirit were for today and what that meant for the church to edify the church or the exact opposite. Why none of that was true and the Holy Spirit doesn't do that stuff anymore. Those were the two extreme positions that seemed to bang into each other and nobody really taught about the real activities of the Holy Spirit. We argued about gifts. And it's like, what? And I, I've heard the most extreme teachings and then everybody, you know, things just, I'm just going to say it the way it is this morning, gobbledygook teachings about that everybody's been called to prophesy and you just start opening your mouth and the Lord's going to use you, say whatever pops into your head. I actually sat in teachings like that and I'm going, no, no, that's not what 1 Corinthians 12 says at all. It says some are given this, and some are given this, and some are given this. And that's when we start just playing things out in our head, that's not faith, that's fantasy. That not, not being overly critical, a little critical. So give me some grace. But is that, isn't that mostly the teachings that you either heard or received or taught (laughs) in this case I was there and I taught different stuff but when you look at really what it's saying if you even connect like clear clear back in Isaiah Isaiah 11 listen to this this is verse 1 and 2 I don't have it up there so this is a prophecy about Jesus and about the spirit of the Lord listen to it there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse And a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. 
the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And where that says worship, the word fear actually means to love, to worship, to lay down. The worship of God. It's within the spirit of God. And so the traditional views of that verse is that it uses and actually enumerates, and this is what many theologians believe, the seven spirits of God. Well, God is one spirit. Yes. Yes, he is. And it can have seven different facets to it. But it's not, you don't, you don't get the emphasis here that was traditionally taught. It's, a, it's, a, it's this. God's manifest goodness through sending us his Holy Spirit, and I'm going to be so bold about this, it's just not just about tongues or whether you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in tongues. It's much more than that. It allows each one of us, if you read this, the Holy Spirit comes alongside you so that you can learn. He's your teacher. He's your helper. He's your guide to gain knowledge so that you know more, to grow in wisdom, so that you understand how to evaluate and do things in life. We're not doomed to making the same mistakes when we can learn to fellowship with the Holy Spirit and have Him help us analyze and give us wisdom and identify things in us. It says that the Spirit searches the deep things. He comes in and He searches, you know, have you ever said to yourself, have you been done a a big wonky mistake and then gone, why do I keep doing that? Asking yourself and not turning it into the prayer. Holy Spirit, why do I keep doing that? Why, could, could you help me? Because I'm not seeing something here. Because I've seen the pattern. I just did it again. I took the bait. I know it's bait to entangle me into a bad situation. And I took it again. Why do I do that? What? And the Holy Spirit, without condemnation, wants to be your guide and your helper. And if you get quiet before him and turn, turn it from asking yourself and even condemning yourself or ignoring yourself, we do both. I, I can, it's funny, I can be a prosecuting attorney and a defense attorney at the same time. Are you wired like I am? At all? Somebody had nod to me. You understand what I'm saying? I can, I can just attack the snot out of myself. And then I can turn around when somebody says, yeah, yeah, you really do do that. Well, it's because all of a sudden I think my motive's being attacked and I'm really a good guy deep down inside if you only really knew me. Well, both are true. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom wants to help identify in a non... Here's, here's the thing. We're always afraid that God's going to judge us as lacking. Guess what? You were already judged as lacking. That's why Jesus came. You were lacking before. Uh, why am I still lacking? Well, let's start fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit and find out if, he's really, if He really is those things. So, a way to look at it is 
if he's the spirit of wisdom and counsel, then there's activities that God does in our life, often unaware. It says in the word, sometimes we entertain angels unaware. I think a lot of the time we, we entertain the Holy Spirit and we're unaware that it's him. I've had a conversation with a four-year-old and walked away and went, oh my gosh, that was you, wasn't it, God? The Holy Spirit goes, yep. And I'm supposed to learn from a child. And he goes, yep. I better get this this time, huh? I'm going to help you. Yep. And he becomes our helper. And so there's things that he does. So one of the main activities is he's our teacher. So I wrote the verse up there so you could take notes. But listen, listen to this in the guise of when you receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into you. 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 17 says, He who's joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So you've received the Spirit of God. And when he comes in, one of the main focuses is he wants to be your teacher. The same way Jesus walked with the apostles, with the disciples, he was there, they even referred to him as teach, rabbi, teacher. Teach me, I want to know. Man, you can engage the Holy Spirit in that way. Listen to what it says. 1 John 2, 26. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. The anointing means the presence. The chosen one. The Holy Spirit. Think through this. We always refer to Jesus as the chosen one. Jesus chose the Holy Spirit. He said, unless I go away, the helper won't come. And if the helper won't come, you're in deep trouble. So I'm going to lay down my life to enable the Holy Spirit helper to come into your life and it's going to change everything about you. And he will, listen to this, but the anointing which you've received from him abides in you. Now remember, they always say emphasis from John's teaching, the traditional ones are that you have to abide. He will abide. The word abide means make home with. I will make my dwelling place with you. I will settle in. So he will abide with you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as it's taught you, you will abide in him. What are we supposed to get here? God's the initiator of abiding. You can't abide in God till you fully recognize he's decided to take up residence in you. Now, does he cooperate with us? No. We cooperate with him. He's the teacher. We're the student. I'm not trying to tell God what to do. He wants to tell me what to do and he does it with gentleness and kindness he's not he's not a mean teacher 
Anybody have a mean teacher growing up? Oh, third grade, Mrs. Ward, come on. Oh, come on, that woman. I was going through old mementos, and for some reason, one of the few class pictures I kept was third grade, and it's got little pinholes in it. First day of class, and when they all call the kids' names, and she had these weird, those weird glasses that do that, and she's reading the class list, and when she said your name, you had to go, here, and she'd look and see where you were seating and deciding whether that was good enough or, like, maybe you ought to be moved. She got to my name. Now, listen, this actually happened. She got to, Lloyd, oh, you're a Rindles, and looked up. I knew I was in deep trouble. <laughs> Dang, my brothers. Sure enough, she had both Roger and Marvin. Both of them. And she had like jumped around and now she was a third grade teacher. Of course, my brother did have a, like, they built the new wing of the school and he and his friends went and got a hundred pigeons, barn pigeons, and let them loose the night before the big event. Pigeon, <clears throat> all stuff all over the place. Oh, yeah, he got in trouble for taking a leak outside of the school grounds, and somebody saw him, and so he would. And he constantly smoked cigarettes. So Lloyd, oh, you're a Rindles, got put on me. And, I, and then she said immediately, I got moved from where I was sitting in the back, cracking my knuckles, to would you stop that, please, and would you move up here? It was a long year, and I learned a lot in third grade, but it was a long year. But you see, the Holy Spirit's not that kind of teacher. Why would you tell a story like that? He's gentle and kind, and right in the midst of you making a mistake, he doesn't condemn you. He just goes, oh. Do you want to know, know the first way that the Holy Spirit corrects us? He's a voice whispering in your conscience that goes, no, don't do that. No, not that way. He's so sweet. He's so kind. He, he can get louder when you're stubborn. When you're a stubborn student, yes, he can get very loud. But he's gentle and kind. Everything about him, everything it says about him is true. And that's how he teaches. He doesn't consider you to know. And he's not going dummy. And he's not looking down going, oh, you're a Rindles. Like, oh, what help is there for you? He is committed to being your teacher. Committed to you. Before you ever commit to him, he's committed to you. He abides in you first. Then you abide in him. I hope this is penetrating because then what goes with it is the second part of being a teacher is he's your guide. Romans 8.12 says, says this, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, that means we owe, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. 
For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, or guided by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Every tough thing in life that we suffer through was designed to have fellowship with God in it. What? Every dang troubled thing you go through was designed to build fellowship between you and the Holy Spirit. He's your guide. When you have to suffer, he understands it because he suffered first. He, know, he knew suffering. All you have to do is read Isaiah. He, he, he understands this. And the beautiful promises, a bruised reed he won't break. He knows when you're suffering because he suffered. As a matter of fact, he paid the ultimate suffering for your suffering. So how's he going to guide you through that? The same way the Father guided him through the whole thing of the garden, the beatings, the cross, and the understanding that there was something really good and glorious going to come out of it. I've never liked any of my sufferings. And it usually took a long time before I saw what the good of it was to come out of it. However, he didn't ever waste one of them. He has always shown me, sometimes it was years later, but he showed me, oh, that's what that was for. He's the supreme economist when it comes to this stuff. Oh my gosh, that's what... I couldn't see it at the time. That's what you wanted me to get. All I was was hurt and raw and ugly and mad. But now, and then the Holy Spirit shows up and he says, you didn't, that's what he, you didn't receive the spirit of bondage. So when I go through difficult stuff and I'm evaluating them, if I evaluate it through I'm still in bondage. You're not going to see it. But if you evaluate it through, he's given me the spirit of adoption and he's going to guide this through me, through that, that you're my son, you're my daughter, and he's going to guide it that way. It may not hurt less, but man, I've got somebody's hand I can put my hand into. And he'll guide me through it. Another thing he does, this is a supreme activity. He enables us to hear his voice. I heard this taught years ago, and I'm probably more in agreement now than, it, than, I ever, than when I first heard it. When I first heard it, I tried to understand it. It takes God to love God. And it takes God to hear God. And if it was dependent on how good I listened... Oh boy, ain't going to happen. 
God knows exactly how to communicate. He knows exactly what you need to hear. Have you ever had that? We call it a nagging voice. <laughs> and, it, and he just, uh, may, I don't know, I don't think this is just my relationship with him. So you're going to have to raise your hand or if you don't understand what I'm saying. He just won't leave me alone over a couple of things. I can ignore it. I can deny it, but it's him. And deep down in my heart of heart, I know that it's him. Because he's the enabler for me to even go through that. It is his voice that empowers his voice in my life. And that's how he wants to do it with you. How will you hear it better? Tell him you want to. And say, I need, I need you to, I'm not very good at listening. That's what I started telling him. Before I told him all the things that he needed to do so that I could get it a little better. If you just give me grace here, or you just like, if you give me a heads up on this one. And I changed that prayer to, Lord, would you enable me to hear what I need to hear? And it's a game changer. Because then it does the next activity. The Holy Spirit was sent and came to strengthen you. To give you strength. He has a strength that we don't know of. But he wants to give that to you, not just as a gift, but to enable you. To, uh, to help you navigate the really hard things in life. Ephesians 3.16, Paul praises, this is actually a prayer of Paul, but you gotta, you got to hear it in the guise of the, of the God who strengthens us. So Paul prays that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. You can't leave out that part. How rich is his glory? What's his glory like? Infinite. What else? I don't think we think about it very much. We think about it when we go to a big meeting and there's really loud worship. No, that's not quite right. <laughs> his glory, he glorified his son. How did he do that? By bringing his will to pass in his life. Oh. Jesus' whole design was it to overcome sin. It was actually to give glory to God. That's in, that's in that John part I'm trying to get you to read. He says, I will glorify them just like you're going to glorify me. He went through some stuff. Well, glory. So, that he would, according to the riches of his glory, that he be to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. The spirit is as strong as the spirit will ever be. It's our soul area that is not strong. Our mind, emotion, our will, the resolve that we have. Um, it's funny, but so many times the Holy Spirit has showed up when I had the least resolve. Oh, I'm so tempted, 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 tempted. You start doing that and he goes, strength, strength, walk away, run, feet don't fail you now. 
And then just get away. You got to see what we're called to stand against and what we're called to flee. Uh, we always think we're supposed to stand against sin. And we have a tendency to stand against sin and run from devils. Actually, we're supposed to run from sin and stand against devils. That was free. That Christ may dwell again, abide in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints was the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. When you're the weakest point in your life, pray this prayer. Go, go back to Ephesians 3 and read it. The, the place that you feel the weakest at, run to this prayer and ask God, oh, Fill me, fill my soul, my mind, my thoughts, my emotions, my will, my resolve. Fill it with the knowledge of who you are and how much you love me. Everything begins to change as you're evaluating what you're going through. This next one, this is a big activity. We don't often recognize it. We just think we're being good. He brings godly desires into your life. The Holy Spirit desires holy things. That's why He desired you. If you keep telling Him how unclean you are, that's where you're going to get stuck. When you start agreeing with Him over who He is, and that it brings within it that the one that dwells in me is godly, guess what it will produce? Godly desire. The things that are godly. I seem like I'm always fighting myself. Well, quit wrestling. Give up. Why are you fighting it? Be a saint. It's fun. It's fun to live clean. Think through that. See, we've always been, we've been told a lie in that we believe as Christians that it's easy to sin. So we've been told, oh, it's so hard to be godly and so easy to sin. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It is easy for us to be godly. And it is hard to sin. Why? Because you know this, now it's quick. That's why we think it's easy. It happens in nanoseconds. You make an evaluation when you're tempted to do something wrong, you make an evaluation whether you want to pay the price for it or not because you know it's wrong. That means you've got to put your mind through machinations about your relationship with God. It happens in nanoseconds. But when you're tempted to do something wrong that you know is not godly, you go through this little play thing happens so quick in, in our brains and you make the decision, oh yeah, I have, have to repent later but I'm going to do it now. Really? There's nothing easy about that. That's hard. When you started confessing and agreeing with God that you have godly desire in your life and that you are the goodness of God on the earth, guess what? When that stuff comes up, you go, no, I don't want that. You want godly things. 
I want godly, I have godly desires in my life. I did not wake up this morning and think, gee, I, go, I think I'll go down and uh, get some cocaine. And uh, man, I'm a little low on money. I think I'll go rob the bank out in Wells, Wellsville, Kansas. I did not think that way. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in me. That's insane thinking. And I think sanely. I'm really smart. I woke up and wanted to be here with you this morning. How smart was I? You're the godly ones on the earth. You're the bright ones. You're the shining ones. You're the ones that are filled with the glory of God. I want to be with you. I don't want that other stuff. So he, he does that. And you can find that. Just reread. I put it, we read it before last week. Reread John 16, verse 5 through 15. This isn't about you obeying or you get kicked out. This is about don't you know when you start loving me that you'll obey me? Huh? God's the empowerment. Even no matter how old or young we are, God will empower you. To be a righteous person on the earth. He will bring godly desires into your life. He does, why does he do that? Because that's who he is. And now that you're joined to him, guess what? That's who. You've just been taught a whole series of exercises that says, this is what I got to do to get that. And he goes, no, I'm going to give it to you so you can do that. That's what we didn't get. He made the way. You don't make a way to get close to God. He made the way and got very close to you and dwells with you and brings godly desires. So the other thing is, and always, I'll close with this. By the way, there is two other things. So when I say I close with this, let me give those, because you, you've heard them taught so much. He is the gift giver and he is the gardener, the fruit producer. We should probably do a whole teaching on that after we do evaluated experience because most of us think we have to produce the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's Him working in your life, abiding in your life. He's producing His fruit in your life. You didn't come up with that fruit. He planted it in you. So back to the last one though. He empowers us. What's my part in this? He gives strength and resolve and courage and authority to you and I. My confession, we've always done this with church. You have to confess your sin. Confess what God says about you and what he's done about you. Do it on a daily basis and see what, start seeing what happens in your life because you start gaining in power and authority. The more you speak it over your life, the more authority you will live it with. That's why I'm always saying, look in the mirror and look at that person. So I'll do it as me again. Lloyd, you are the righteousness of Jesus Christ on the earth today. Lloyd, you are going to walk in holiness today. Lloyd, you have the authority over every evil thing that's going to try and penetrate into your life today. Lord, Lloyd, you're the goodness of God. He's filled you with all goodness. 
So you are a good person. You start confessing that? We're not talking about mind games. We're talking about you're getting in agreement with the guy who created Pluto. No. The planet, star, planet, star, not sure. The one who sang a million, Carl Sagan said it this way, a million, billion, trillion amount of stellar stuff. God sang that into being. And he wants to empower you. He wants you to see it. He wants to give it to you in such a way that you start understanding who you are. You keep seeing yourself as little Lulu, you're going to do it your whole life. You break the power of it and you will evaluate your life differently. I'm not poor little Lulu. I'm not Orphan Annie. I'm not this little ragtag bunch. I'm not a lost boy anymore. I was lost. Now I'm found. I'm not lost. I'm not condemned to repeating the same mistakes in my life over and over and over again. That's a lie from the pit of hell. I was designed to grow and be nourished by my relationship with the Holy Spirit. The incredible helper. Phenomenal when you think through it. His desire, what is the desire of God? The desire of God is to be in fellowship with you. He wants to make me holy. He already did. You just don't believe it. So you tell him your unbelief instead of your belief. So you tell yourself your unbelief instead of your belief. Is this making sense? When I evaluate my life, the first person I want to think about is not me. It's not even the person I hurt through why I'm doing an evaluation. The first person I want for, to help me evaluate is the Holy Spirit, the helper. So help me, God. Close with this. Strongest, one of the strongest verses in all of the Bible is Psalms 12, verse 1. You know what it says? Help, Lord. Help. He goes, oh, that's what I came for. That, I'm the Holy Spirit. I'll help you. Do you think that God would kick you away and go, no, it's one toke over the line. You just did it. No more for you. Yeah. We all see the Holy Spirit as a soup Nazi. No soup for you. you. Don't watch the Seinfeld anymore. It's one of the most famous episodes in all of sitcom. Okay, he is not that. The feeblest weak help God. The weakest thing coming out of your mouth he takes and he strengthens it. He responds to it. Prayer is not the strength of our life. Prayer is the, us communicating the weakness of our life. Prayer isn't to change the world. Prayer is to let me know I'm not alone and God's with me. It's his job to change the world, not my prayers. I want to pray your kingdom come, your will be done, and I want to harness the believing in that so it strengthens me.
And then I can see his will being done. You got to see it in you before you see it other places. Most people just pray it for other places and never pray it for themselves. Okay, so let me pray. You pray with me. Agree with me. Help, Lord. Oh, that I would change. Oh, that I would see the manifest goodness of God day by day, hour by hour, second by second. Oh, you're going to protect me in this current state of affairs. Oh, you're going to protect my family in this current state of affairs. Oh, you're with me in every state of affairs. You are with me in the high, you're with me in the low. You go before me, you are behind me. You are beside me, O Christ. You are in me, you teach me. O Christ, teach me again. Lord, overcome my fears of abandonment and aloneness. Overcome those things in me that make me put myself down in front of other people. Help me to see. Help me, God. Help me to see me as you see me. Help me to understand and touch that glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Fellowship with one another.